I'm Jean Lawler, your host of the Roads to Resolution, Closure, and Certainty podcast, and it's great to be here with you today. So what's on my mind? Well, three of the biggest mistakes that I see attorneys make when they're in my mediation room, and that room could be an in-person conference room or it could be in a Zoom room. It doesn't really matter. The mistakes tend to be the same. So let's get to it. What do I think the three of the biggest are? Well, the very first one, I think most would agree, is where uh, the parties are there to negotiate, but the decision maker is not in attendance and not participating in the mediation. Not having the decision maker there, the one who can write the check or the one who can agree to a settlement if you're on the plaintiff's side, that really is, um, it can be the end of the mediation before it even begins. So having the decision maker there or a decision maker who has sufficient authority or is so common with insurance companies, if the person has enough authority to make a decision and then also if they need that they can contact um, you know, their supervisor or, you know, whoever it might, else it might be at the office in case the numbers are bigger than whatever authority that the uh, claims representative came with. But I've seen it with plaintiffs as well. The, uh, you know, there, there may be as a, a parent or a spouse or a friend or others, uh, con- contractual partners that need to be, um, need to be consulted with before there can be a settlement. Anybody who's a decision maker needs to be at the mediation, okay? Needs to be participating in the mediation. And with Zoom, it really is, um, it's it's so easy that there's almost really no excuse to not uh, have the decision makers truly available and participating. So that's what I see as the first of the three biggest mistakes that lawyers make in my mediation rooms. The second one that I would mention is sacrificing strategic negotiation to what I'm calling the emotions of the client. The clients on both defense and on plaintiff's side, there's plenty of emotions usually. Everybody believes that they're right, their position is correct. Uh, Most people believe that they will prevail at trial or even if they don't, believe they'll prevail, they think they have a better case than the other side or whatever it might be. And clearly, if you go to trial, someone wins and someone loses. And when there are other emotions out there like uh, anger or, um, I don't know, upset, uh, frustrations that, that boil over, that can cloud one's judgment. And when I see lawyers adopting their client's angst and anguish and emotional outbursts even, you know, that really says to me that those lawyers have, uh, I don't know, maybe you could say they've crossed a line, so to speak, but that they're not in control anymore of their own emotions. So then they're not really thinking strategically, they're thinking emotionally. And emotions for clients are fine, of course, but for the lawyer who's supposed to be guiding the client's don't sacrifice. They should not sacrifice that role for strategic negotiation to the reality or the fact of adopting the emotions of the client. The lawyer should not be screaming at the mediator. The lawyer should not be 
you know, rolling eyes and being so disgusted at the defense or the other the party, whatever it might be, that they um, are not, again, guiding their client toward a good resolution or one that the client might be able to live with, or at least to have explored it so the client will know if they have the possibility of resolution at that point in time. Again, being mindful that most cases do settle. So it is really very important that on a mediation day that not just are the decision makers present, but that they are present with lawyers who are in the right frame of mind to help the client over the emotional reactions, the emotional humps, and to think strategically and make conscious decisions and, um, you know, get their best shot at trying to get the case settled that day anyway, or at least set the stage for the future settlement. And then the third thing that I see is when lawyers make what I'm calling here incredible demands or offers and and then the other extreme, giving up too soon. So, you know, I use the word incredible just as, a, um, as an offshoot of the word credible. If someone is demanding an eight-figure settlement number for an opening offer, for a case that should settle in a six, with a six-figure number, perhaps, maybe a low seven-figure, to be demanding eight is not especially credible. You know, they're, they're um, sacrificing their own credibility in the process for this, and that's not good. The lawyer should come in knowing, knowing his case, knowing her case, and knowing what the damages really are or are not, what the maximum recovery might be in that particular jurisdiction for whatever the damages are, and, you know, trying to use punitive damages or an insurance case, oh, insurance bad faith, as a way to really ratchet up the um, the response from the defense and in turn then making a huge demand is not going to um, get the response that the plaintiff is hoping for. By the same token for the defense to come in and give a, uh, a nuisance value, a nuisance value can range from, you know, a low four-figure number to uh, six or seven figures even, depending on the nature of the case and what the issues are and what the damages are. But just only going to nuisance value without recognizing the exposure or the the value of the case. And of course, you know, starting your negotiations at, um, you know, less than at the end of the day, what you would hope to pay, you know, that uh, that too triggers reactions from the other side where there could be a loss of credibility on either side. And then don't give up too soon. I've had lawyers in who come to the mediation thinking it's never going to settle. And I say, no, 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 no. You can't think that way. You have to think positively. But then when there are lawyers who want to just leave or they might even be screaming and shouting and not even want to get started, but hopefully that that is very rare, but it does, it has happened. But some lawyers think that just threatening to walk out and then walking out, you know, is is a good strategy. I would say to you, I don't think that it is. Hang in there, make the time count, use use the time you have and try and get to the best deal that you can or at least narrow what I call the dance floor, you know, between the last offer and, and the last demand to a point where it's 
where you know what you're walking away from or where you know where you would be back to begin with if and when you resume. Actually, it's when, not if, because, of course, if you don't settle in a mediation, you will be talking settlement again. A judge will be sure to see to that. So do your best. Uh, never give up too soon. You know, stranger things have happened, right? And try and make your demands, opening demands especially, you know, reasonable and not in the um, the realm where they're insulting, the, the insulting aspect of it. Make them in a realm of reasonable or somewhat credible, that kind of thing, okay? Because everybody knows that, uh, that you just got to work to make the... Uh, the demands go up or down, you know, the offers go up, the demands go down. And so while some of it's fine, be credible, be credible. All right. So good luck to you and all the best to you in your mediation practice and your negotiations when you are trying to get cases settled. I'm sure you'll do a wonderful job. So thanks so much for joining me. Subscribe to my YouTube YouTube channel or my podcasts there, wherever podcasts are uh, or everywhere where podcasts are um, are able to be found. All right. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>